Father God, I again thank you for today, Father. I thank you uh, that your mercies are new every morning. I thank you that you loved us first, Father, and that we, because of that, we're able to love you in return, Father. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you that you're a just God, and I pray, Father, that we would see you as that, Father, and that we would always have the right view of you, Lord, and Holy Spirit, help us to maintain that right view of you, God, and as we come into communion with you this morning, Lord, I just pray, Father, that our hearts would be good soil, in Jesus' name, amen.
Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day, God, and just yet another opportunity to gather, Lord, to open up your word, to be encouraged, Father. Pray, God, that our hearts would be of good soil to receive. Father, that we would not grow weary in doing good. But, Father, that we would keep our eyes focused and fixed upon Jesus. Father, we thank you that your word declares that no weapon forged against us shall prosper. We thank you, Father, that in Christ we are complete. Father, if we are Christians, Lord, we no longer have to settle for the brokenness and the woundedness of our of our old nature. We no longer have to remain rebellious. But Father, that we have submitted ourselves to Christ, that we have received the fullness of salvation and the assurance, God, that we have been adopted into your family, that you have given us the right to call you Abba. I pray for those that are are here today, Father, that are not in relationship with you. Or maybe those that are here that are just holding a form of religion. I pray today, God, that their eyes would be open, Lord. The scales would be removed. Father, that they would truly see you for who you are. That their deaf ears would open, Father. And that they would be, Father, quickened, Lord. To call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved. We pray for Norma, God, this morning as she's overseas, God, doing the will of the one who has called her. We thank you, Father, for her obedience and her desire to go to the nations, wherever you may lead her, Father. We thank you for the call that's upon her life. We ask, O God, that you would protect her and the team that she is with. And we ask, O God, for just a harvest, Father, of many to come from this trip, Lord, as the gospel's being proclaimed, Father. We thank you for this, Lord. We thank you, Father, that no matter how dark this country is, that, Father, you have sent forth your people, God, to declare the good news of Jesus Christ. And we thank you that darkness can never extinguish light. So may they burn brightly, Lord, we pray, Father. We pray for those that are not with us today, Father, wherever they may be. We ask, O oh God, that they would be encouraged, Father, that they would be strengthened. Yes. Father, they would be established yes. in truth, Father. The God, that they would um, draw close to you, Father, throughout this week, Lord. That they would be attentive to the leading of your Holy Spirit, God. Father, we thank you, God, for the work in which you've begun in each of us, Father. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are faithful to complete it, Lord. So we look not towards man, but Father, we keep our eyes upon Thee, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right. Good morning. Can I share something with you? Sure. I mean, it's just minimal. I mm-hmm. just wanna. It's like it's kind of a praise report, but kind of a, an interesting praise report. Um, on Monday, well, yeah, it's been a rough, a rough couple of weeks. <laughs> actually a rough month, probably a rough year, but the month, mm-hmm. um, with my mom, <clears throat> and then just not getting the sleep and not getting the things, 
you know, and just watching her die. I mean, basically, I'm watching my mother deteriorate, um, which is tough. And we all know, you know, that there is a day. Um, and yet trying to keep things going. And Monday when I got to work, um, my boss had said something about my timesheet not lining up with what we do our finger. And I'm like, you're kidding. There's no way. I don't do that. You know, that is one thing I don't do. I'm not a liar and I'm not a thief. So, you know, I got a real defensive. I pulled up all my stuff. I started doing things. Long and the short of it was we sat down because um, we had just come off spring break. So this note was written on the 8th, which was the last day. And that was the day my mother was being re-ambulanced back to a hospital. Um, so I walk out that morning. We sit down. And he's like, no, you're right. You know, I was okay. You know, everything was okay. It panned out like, you know, she didn't do this. She's okay. Um, and, you know, he's kind of patting my hand. He says, you were just overly. You're, you're, you're just, I mean, you're toast. I had no makeup. I mean, I really looked rough that day. Um, so I walk outside, and it's gloomy Monday. Mm. This past Monday was gloomy and rainy. And I walk out, and I just said, I need you to give me something. I need something, because I, I can't do this anymore. And I mean, mm. I, I was at a very low point, and yet not, I wouldn't do anything stupid, but it was just like, I can't even breathe anymore. I don't sleep, I don't eat. I mean, I've lost another you know, 10 pounds because I just don't have time because I'm running all over. And it's gloomy and I look up and here, and I've got the picture of him. You, know, you may not be able to see him real well, but um, here's this huge eagle. Comes out of the woods and just starts flying over me. And I'm like, wow, that is so cool. And I'm looking up and uh, this is him sitting on the pole. Oh, wow. But he's a big boy, and mm -hmm. this is him when he flew in. Mm. I mean, he's got about a three-and-a-half-foot wingspan on each side, mm. and his head is probably this big, and his beak. So you can tell he's an older eagle. So I'm sitting there, and, of course, he's looking down. I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me. Of course, I'm going to take pictures of this thing. And just beautiful. And I'm like, wow, Lord, thanks. I mean, it was right after I had just said, I need mm. this. And I'm like... Oh, this is incredible. So, you know, some of my guys come and go, wow, man, that's a huge bird. You know, that's a big eagle. Starts taking pictures and that. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, so to me that was like, thanks. Mm. You know, my, my animal side of me, my thank you for answering my prayer. I don't know what it means, but thanks. You know, I got a bird, you know, and I got a beautiful bird. About an hour and a half later, I'm sitting in my office, and my office is all windows. I mean, I mean, you just, I'm all windows. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, Tim says, hey, look at that. And he walks in the office, and I'm like, wow. And out come, well, in the little fence near, we have a beautiful fence near where our air conditioning is. I just have to flip the handle. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's gorgeous. And he mm -hmm. is a baby wild turkey. And I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a baby wild turkey. He's looking, he's walking. Yeah. I, I opened up the gate. I'm like, all you gotta do is go back this way. You don't have to come out this way. I went and got the key, unlocked it, and let him out the gate. And he walked up, and he looks at me in the window. And I'm like, and beautiful. He had a blue head. He's little. He's not a big boy. He ain't got enough meat on anybody to eat. I'm like, well, nobody's going to kill you because you ain't that big. He's just a baby. He's not real big. So I'm sitting there, and I'm praying. And, I, you know, of course, I'm listening to sermon, and I'm listening to, you know, the worship and everything before him. I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, wow, you sent me two animals. You know, and I love my turkeys because they come out here, and I love my eagles. I love animals. And I'm like, you sent me a turkey and an eagle. That is so cool. And all of a sudden, it's like you and I are sitting here talking. He said, Yvette, it's raining and gloomy outside. And there's a storm. But the eagle will fly right into it. He doesn't go hide. He doesn't go run to the woods. He, he goes right into the storm. 
And he sits there and opens his wings and he waits for the current waves to take him up. And he will go above a storm and he will just stay there until the storm passes. He doesn't go look for shelter or run or hide. And then when the storm starts subsiding, he starts coming back down. When the bullies and the, and the other blackbirds are pecking at him and, and charging him, if you ever see an eagle, those birds go after him. They just, they, they attack him. He then just, he doesn't fight back. He goes higher and he goes higher. And those birds keep attacking. Well, they can't breathe as high as he goes and they die and they drop dead. And then he just comes back down. And I'm like, wow. And it's like the turkey I created as well. And he's a beautiful bird. Wild turkeys are gorgeous. And the only thing that turkey could do was get out of that fence. And he's walking and he's, and I'm following him. And Tim's taking pictures and we're following. And he's walking to the woods. And he got just enough running power to flap and go on a tree branch and wait for this weather to go. And all the Lord said is, you can run head on into this and let me carry you above all the stuff that's going on, everything that you're going through, or you can be the turkey and you can be running and he will be safe in the tree and flap your wings and stay there and then he'll come back down. They both are provided for, the worms, the bugs, whatever the turkey eats and the fish or whatever the eagle eats, they're provided for. He will provide for us, but it's only what, and he's not saying you're an eagle or a turkey, but it's like, look at what I have given you. Look. Quit looking at what you don't have or what you're going through. Hit the storm. Let me carry you. And when an eagle gets sick, if he eats a bad bird, uh, fish or something, he'll go up on the rocks and he'll put himself up against it and he'll let the sun soak out all the toxins. And all the Lord kept saying, I am the sun. Are you going to let me walk you through this? Go higher. And I thought, you know, it, it's just something to give you some thought that and it did change my perspective hence wearing a little more color um feeling a little bit dressing a little bit more you know just because jeans are not clean or whatever but just making sure that i honor him but it was it was a tough it was it's been mm -hmm. a tough few weeks and it's like you feel alone you feel isolated you feel like you're doing this and it's not that you are it's just you've got to do things but mm -hmm. we gotta figure out we're gonna either hit these storms head on or we're going to just sit in a tree and wait, you know. That's I don't know good. if it makes sense. No, that's really good. Nice. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. Um God always will meet us right where we're at to encourage us to make us lift up our heads and to look like as we're reading through the book of Psalms, I keep encouraging y'all to keep looking up. Don't look out, but look up. Because if we keep looking out, we can get overwhelmed by the circumstances of life. But as we look up, we're focusing our gaze on Jesus. And he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He will encourage us in the times that we are seeking him. And so as we're studying 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, and not even studying, it's memorizing just this one verse for the year. And this verse says that the kingdom of God is not just a lot of, I'm sorry, it's not just a lot of talk, but it's living by God's power. That's right. So the kingdom of God is just not a lot of talk, <laughs> but it's living by God's power. And hopefully y'all are learning that and understanding what it means. 
that we're just not a lot of talk. We're not a people who, who just can say the right things, but we are the people that are truly dependent upon God to live out his purpose in and through us. To trust God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Not leaning on to our own understanding, but trusting Him. That He's the one who is making a way where there seems to be no way. That He is directing our path, our feet along the path that He has set before us. And so I just want to encourage you in that. And as I've been encouraging us over the past couple of weeks is that we are waking up each and every single day as believers behind the enemy line. Like, we recognize that we have an enemy. You know, he seeks to devour. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says that I've come to give you life, and life in the abundance. And so, as you're waking up each day, I've been encouraging you to trust the fact that God is for you. He's not against you. And this life that is in Christ can only be lived dependent upon Christ. And I want us to really think about that this morning. As you've been studying through Scripture, especially in the book of Leviticus, he's setting apart a people that he can call his own. That he has established his plan and his purpose for the Messiah, Jesus Christ, to come to redeem mankind, to save mankind. And as we're seeing these people set aside for his purpose, this is a common theme throughout Scripture, that there will be a people that he will call his own, and in return they will call him their God, that they would live for Jesus. That they would love the Lord their God with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind, mind, with all of their body, and with all of their strength. And we saw how he set apart the priests. He consecrated them. He, he called them into service. And as he did then, so he has done now in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, in our day and age. He's calling people, setting them aside, consecrating us, making us holy so that we could be about his business. And that is the Christian life. And the Christian life, as, you, as it continues to, to draw close to his return, it's going to get harder and harder and harder. And we need to truly grasp that understanding. And you say, well, where the, where's the good news in that? Well, the good news is Christ. It's not your circumstances getting better. No, the good news is Jesus. Like when you come to Jesus, if you've come to Jesus, you've surrendered your life. You've confessed that the Lord Jesus is the Son of God, that he was raised from the dead. You confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart, and in that you are saved. You are born again of a new nature. You're not to be of the old, though the old is still there. In Galatians, it talks about the flesh and the spirit warring against each other. It's a constant battle. But I've encouraged you throughout the years, what you feed breeds, what you starve dies. The Bible says that if you walk habitually in the spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Do you hate sin, you all? 
Do you hate the old woman? Do you hate the old man? Because you ought to. Your old nature only knows how to kill you. It longs to die. It longs for death. It is a complete rebellion towards life. Have you embraced life this week? That's what you need to ask yourself. Where have you been feasting? And I'm just not talking about your physical food. I'm talking about just the reality of life. What are you going back to? Where have you been this week? And it's not, again, to, to, to say, oh, poor me, look how bad I am. But the reality is, if you're not in Christ, you're only going to be one other place. And that's back to your old self. And nothing good is going to come from it. Nothing good will ever come from self-living. Me, myself, and I. Nothing will come from it. The lies, the manipulation, you know, the, the insecurities, the jealousy, the backbiting, the, the gossiping, the lust, the, the, the greed. I mean, you name it. Nothing good is going to come from it. And so we have to ask ourselves, as we're sitting here today, yet again, having the opportunity for the Word of God to be spoken, to be preached, for you to hear it. The question is, are you more than just a hearer of the word? Are you the doer of the word? Are you truly living this out? Because it can be lived. The Christian life can be lived. The Bible says he's done everything that is needed. He, he's given us everything we need to live a godly life. How sad it is to, to say that you believe that he's the son of God. To say that you believe that he was resurrected on the third day, and that he defeated sin and death, and yet you let your life be mastered by the very things that he defeated. That's not how we're to be living. We have the good news. Jesus, you all. Jesus, and it doesn't matter. And this is the and this is as I've been meditating and praying throughout this week, his love covers, the Bible says, a multitude of sin. Like God is never going to stiff on you and said, you've gone too far, you've been too bad, I don't want anything to do with you. He, he will never do that. If you willingly come and you truly are repentant, like God, I am sorry. Like God, forgive me. He is quick to forgive. Like his desire is <laughs> that you would belong to him that you would be a part of his people, <laughs> that he would be your God, and that you would rely and trust on him and him alone. When you see the old nature, don't allow it to continue to consume you. Strengthen yourself in Christ. Know who he is. Know who you are now. And begin to push back against the very things that are out to destroy your very being. There, it is a battle. You're waking up behind enemy lines. You've got to push back. You've got to say that the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. You, I can say the right things. I can do the right things by, by you know, just allowing my words to lead me. But if it's not the power of God in and through me, then I'm, I'm really experiencing nothing. 
except religion. There's a lot of people interested in religion, but there's not that many people that are truly followers of Christ. And listen, the church is under an assault. Biblical truth is under assault. People and the enemy are working overtime to disqualify Christians, to push them aside, to make it seem as if we're the enemy. And I say, God help us. This is the day in which we're living. And there's people who have been given platforms who, who under the name of Jesus is preaching a false gospel. Like, you've got to ask yourself, y'all, do you truly believe? And how are you guarding your heart and your mind day in and day out? You are under assault. The kingdom of God is being bombarded. But the good news is that the gates of hell cannot prevail. The enemy will never get the upper hand. Everything that is taking place that we're seeing, it is by God's ordained plan (laughs) the brightest light burns in the midst of the darkest dark and we are to burn bright you all we are to continue to press in to move forward not to give up not to cower down not to go back but to press in and to move forward. A good soldier keeps advancing. (laughs) And if you all are not learning how to have discipline in your life, Christian disciplines that are there for the, the Christian life to mature you, to grow you, then all you're going to do is retreat. You're going to fall back. You're going to not advance. You're going to give up. You're going to be taken captive. And we must be careful. There is a war out around you. The Bible says that you wrestle not with flesh and blood, but the battle, the war, is against rulers and principalities in the air and and in the darkness. We must recognize this. It mustn't, it mustn't take us back. It, it, mustn't, it mustn't set us back. No, we just recognize it. So daily, there has to be disciplines in our life. Daily, there has to be, uh, throughout your day, just not a one-time shot deal, but throughout your day, you're depending upon Jesus for the newness of this life. And I'll be honest with you all. Sometimes I wonder what we're doing, and not just what we're doing here, but just what we're doing at large of of people who are calling themselves Christians, of churches that are gathering every Sunday or whenever they're gathering. (laughs) Because look at our culture. We've got to start making a difference, you all. Even as the times and the resistance towards the gospel is going to get even more intense, like we need to keep moving forward. Like whose life are you impacting? I mean, that's the reality. Whose life are you impacting? Because each of you should. 
But if you're not upholding Christ, if, if your life is, is just what it used to be, then you know, what you're impacting the person with is nothing. It's nothing. Like there is an advancement. Like each of us need to be moving forward. And you see that all through Scripture. From the beginning, in the book of Genesis, all the way to the end. God's kingdom is advancing. And we are partakers of his divine natures. We are, we are engrafted into this kingdom that cannot be shaken. I don't know about you, but when you open up your eyes in the morning, do you realize the opportunity you've been given? Or are we so bogged down by our physical circumstances that that's what's keeping us enslaved to ourselves and to us running and running and running and running? Like we need to awaken each morning with the fact that we are engrafted into a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Amen. That we are children of God. That we are light. That we have hope. That we have peace. That we have joy. You know, even when we're going through some of the darkest times, you will as a Christian face a lot of different things in your life. But the difference between us and the world is hope. Do you have hope each and every single day? Hope in Jesus. The Bible says that hope in Jesus will never disappoint you. If you're disappointed, <laughs> you've, you've lost hope. And you ought not to lose hope. Because Jesus says that he is for us and not against us. And this is a hope that we have. And so as we go to Leviticus today, verse chapter 11, we're going to read chapter 11 and chapter 12 of Leviticus. Let's take a look at that. Yep. Leviticus chapter 11 through chapter 12. And so what we see here is yet again, God, you have to remember as you're reading through the book of Leviticus, God is setting apart a people to be holy. They're not going to look like the other nations around them. It is imperative that they do not look like the other nations. God is setting out his purpose and his plan for his people. Again, his purpose and his plan. He chose at this time the Israelites. He has set them aside to bring about the Messiah. Jesus, the one who would come to crush the enemy. The one who would come, not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles, for everyone. But as we're reading, as we'll continue to read, God is going to start giving them specific instructions. And so let's take a look at this today. Chapter 11, Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Of all the land animals, these are the ones you may use for food. You may eat any animal that is completely split hooves and choose the cud. You may not, however, eat the following animals that have split hooves or the, that chew the cud, but not both. And the camel chews the cud, but does not have split hooves. 
so it is ceremonially unclean for you. The hyrax chews the cud, but does not have split hooves, so it is unclean. The hare chews the cud, but does not have split hooves, so it is unclean. The pig has evenly split hooves, but does not chew the cud, so it is unclean. You may not eat the meat of these animals or even touch their carcasses. They are ceremonially unclean for you. Of all the marine animals, these are the ones you may use for food. You may eat anything from the water if it has both fins and scales, whether taken from salt water or from streams. You must never eat animals from the sea or from rivers that do not have both fins and scales. They are detestable to you. This applies both to little creatures that live in shallow water and to all creatures that live deep live in deep water. They will always be detestable to you. You must never eat their meat or even touch their dead bodies. Any marine animal that does not have both fins and scales is detestable to you. These are the birds that are detestable to you. You must never eat them. The griffin vulture, the bearded vulture, the black vulture, the kite, Falcons of all kinds, ravens of all kinds, the eagle owl, the short-eared owl, the seagull, hawks of all kinds, the little owl, the coromont, the great owl, the barn owl, the desert owl, the Egyptian vulture, the stork, herons of all kinds, the hopi, and the bat. You must not eat winged insects that walk along the ground. They are detestable to you. You may, however, eat winged insects and that walk along the ground and have jointed legs so they can jump. The insects you are permitted to eat include all kinds of locusts, bald locusts, crickets, and grasshoppers. All other winged insects that walk along the ground are detestable to you. The following creatures will make you ceremonially unclean. If any of you touch their carcass, you will be defiled until evening. If you pick up their carcasses, you must wash your clothes and you will remain defiled until evening. Any animal that has split hooves that are not evenly divided or that does not chew the cud is unclean to you. If you touch the carcass of such an animal, you will be defiled. Of the animals that walk on all fours, those that have paws are unclean. If you touch the carcass of such an animal, you will be defiled until evening. If you pick up its carcass, you, will, you, will, you must wash your clothes, and you will remain defiled until evening. These, are, these animals are unclean for you. Of the small animals that scurry along the ground, these are unclean for you. The mole, rat, the rat, large lizards of all kinds, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the common lizard, the sand lizard, and the chameleon. All these small animals are unclean for you. If any of you touch the dead body of such an animal, you will be defiled until evening. If such an animal dies and falls on something, that, and that object will be unclean. This is true whether the object is made of wood, cloth, leather, or burlap. Whatever its use, you must dip it in water, and it will remain defiled until evening. After that, it will be ceremonially clean and may be used again. If such an animal falls into a clay pot, everything in the pot will be defiled, and that pot must be smashed. 
If the water from such a container spills on any food, the food will be defiled, and any beverage in such a container will be defiled. Any object on which the carcass of such an animal falls will be defiled. It is, if it is in an oven of, or hearth, it must be destroyed, for it is defiled, and you must treat it accordingly. However, if the carcass of such an animal falls into a spring or cistern, the water will still be clean, but anyone who touches the carcass will be defiled. If the carcass falls on seed grain to be planted in the field, the seed will still be considered clean. But if the seed is wet when the carcass falls on it, the seed will be defiled. If an animal you are permitted to eat dies and you touch its carcass, you will be defiled until evening. If you eat any of its meat or carry away its carcass, you must wash your clothes and you will remain defiled until evening. All small animals that scurry along the ground are detestable and you must never eat them. This includes all animals that slither along on their bellies as well as those with four legs and those with many feet. All such animals that scurry along the ground are detestable and you must never eat them. Do not defile yourselves by touching them. You must not make yourselves ceremonially unclean because of them. For I am the Lord your God. You must consecrate yourself and be holy because I am holy. So do not defile yourselves with any of these small animals that scurry along the ground. For I, the Lord, am the one who brought you up from the land of Egypt, that I, look at this, might be your God. Therefore, you must be holy because I am holy. These are the instructions regarding land animals, birds, marine creatures, and animals that scurry along the ground. By these instructions, you will know what is unclean and clean, and which animals may be eaten, and which may not be eaten. And you say, wow, that's a lot. The Lord had a lot to say. Remember, he was setting apart a people for himself. He's giving them clear instructions on how they are to live, to remain clean, to remain set apart. Again, that's the theme all through the book of Leviticus. He is setting them apart. He's making them different from the other nations. And that's important. That's important. And the good news is, in the book of Acts, and the New Testament, this the food restrictions have been lifted. The Bible says that all things that God has made is good. And so even Peter had a dream. The veil was open and that he was able to, to now dine with the Gentiles. They were able to eat. And so in the New Testament, we realize that the restrictions have been lifted. We don't follow the, the restrictive diets, if you would, of the Israelites, of the Jews. If we choose to, you can, but it's not a, a set um, directive of, of God nowadays. And we must remember that. It's important. Because if not, it's very easy to puff ourselves up and to pride ourselves up that we're doing something of ourselves that's making us holy. The only thing that can make us truly holy is Christ. It's so our position is in Christ. It's not following, if you would, the law. 
And then some people may say, well, if those restrictions were listed, were lifted, were other restrictions lifted? That, oh, God must have changed his mind. No, God didn't change his mind. God fulfilled through Christ what he's established. And so these food restrictions have been lifted because now, especially in the book of Acts, and as the New Testament continues to go forth, the Gentiles are being brought in. God is making a people of all, and that we're coming in through Christ. But one restriction that was never lifted is the sexual perverseness that is on the increase that we're saying it's okay to be to live totally against what God has purposed sexually. Sexual sin, the Bible says, is this not a sin of, toward, of, towards God, but it's also a sin towards yourself. Like you're going against the creative order of what God has established. And so a lot of times you say, why are you sharing that? Because a lot of times people who are trying to, again, don't, you can't let the devil teach you your theology, but people will now start saying and pushing you back on you, saying that, well, God is permitting this now, that Jesus has never talked about it, that it was never mentioned, but it is quite mentioned all through the New Testament and the Old Testament. There's no turning from what God has created for man and woman. The natural order of things. The food restrictions were lifted, but the sexual understanding of what God has ordained is still intact. It's still intact. I don't know if you ever hear the arguments. Because people will say, well, are you still eating shellfish? Or are you still doing that? And they're trying to bring up these laws... <laughs> that don't go against our natural, created understanding of what God has done for us. So I just want to encourage you into knowing what God has said. So here, he did give them strict understanding of what they can eat and what they can't eat. And he meant it. This is what they were to follow. But as the church was birthed, these restrictions were lifted. And people then could choose to eat the way they want to eat, follow this, or they can now be free to partake. Because ultimately, no matter how we're eating, we're celebrating the fullness of what God has given to us, you all. You know, like we should enjoy the food in which God has given us. You know, but we also should respect each other for those who choose to, to eat differently. You know, we don't try to outdo people in, in holiness by keeping such a, a, a law-based mentality. Because now as Christians, we're Christ-based, not law-based. So that's so important to understand, you all. But here, no, he was very clear on how they were to eat, what they could touch. I mean, every detail. He's very precise. 
And I love this about God because when he calls us to something, he doesn't leave us ignorant to it. Just as in the New Testament. He calls, just as he calls them, he calls us to be holy. This concept of holiness has never changed. Rather, it's the Old Testament or the New Testament. The people of God are to be set apart for his purpose. And that's why you must know Christ and you must know your identity in Christ and how you're to be living now as one who claims Christ. He goes on in chapter 12, the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If a woman becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son, she will be ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during her menstrual period. On the eighth day, the boy's foreskin must be circumcised. After waiting 33 days, she will be purified from the bleeding of childbirth. During this time of purification, she must not touch anything that is set apart as holy. And she must not enter the sanctuary until her time of purification is over. If a woman gives birth to a daughter, she will be ceremonially unclean for two weeks, just as she is unclean during her menstrual period. After waiting 66 days, she will be purified from the bleeding of childbirth. When the time of purification is completed for either a son or a daughter, the woman must bring a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or turtle dove for a purification offering. She must bring her offerings to the priest at the entrance of a tabernacle. The priest will then present them to the Lord to purify her. Then she will be ceremonially clean again after her bleeding at childbirth. These are the instructions for women after the birth of a son or daughter. If a woman cannot afford to bring a lamb, she must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. One will be for the burnt offering and the other for the purification offering. The priest will sacrifice them to purify her and she will be ceremonially clean. Yet again, he's getting down. To, to, to these, in, these instructions for how things are to go. Quite different from how the other nations do it. <laughs> Quite different from how the other nations worship their gods. And the whole concept, and hopefully you're seeing it, is being restored. It's a picture of being clean. It's a picture of being restored to God. It, it's a picture of wholeness. And that's what you see all through the Bible. Is that your relationship with God is this incredible picture of wholeness. Not by yourself, but, what, why, but by how he calls you to go forth. Like now you're to walk in the spirit. You're not gratify the desires of the flesh. You're not to give in to the desires. But you're to trust in God. You're to walk by faith and not by sight. You're to walk in wholeness. And we've talked about this here. The decisions that you will make and have made is based either out of your rebellion, out of your brokenness, or it'll be based out of wholeness, your new identity in Christ. You choose. The Spirit of God quickens you to do what is right. The question is, are you doing what is right? 
I mean, if God himself, from the beginning, gives us an understanding of what it means to remain united, to remain uh, associated with him, if you would, to, to, to remain in wholeness and completeness with him, I mean, wouldn't you think that that would be something that we should be thinking about throughout our days? My God, am I honoring what you've done for me? How I'm living, how I'm speaking, how I'm thinking. Like, God, am I honoring you? Like, you long that I would be united in you, and the only way that I can be united in you is through Jesus. I have confessed and I believed. Holy Spirit has been given to me to teach me, to comfort me, to counsel me. So, Lord, allow me to be attentive to your leading that I may honor you. And listen, when we fail, <laughs> when we go our own ways, when we turn back, oh, that we would be quick to repent. Repentance, you all. Repentance. Don't remain enslaved <coughs> to sin. Don't remain unclean. <laughs> no, be restored, you all. You know that's not where you ought to be, so get up from it. And get back to, to being in his presence, in his wholeness. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Like you can trust him, you all. Each and every single day, you can encourage others to come your way as you're following Jesus. <laughs> point them to Jesus. There's no other one to point them to. Don't point them to yourself. Don't point them anywhere else. But point them to Jesus because it's only in Jesus that we find life. Life, you all. Choose you this day. Life or death. You know? What have you been choosing throughout this week? Hopefully it's been life. And if not, then repent. Repentance is vital to a believer's life. True repentance. Godly sorrow. You see the, the ugliness of sin. You see the ugliness of your actions. You recognize they don't line up with truth. And you ought not to be entangled with it. So that's why the Bible says to so throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. You're not to be mastered by it any longer, you all. And if you're sitting here and you're mastered by sin, then you understand that it's your doing. It's your choice. You don't have to be there. You don't have to, to be mastered by sin. When God has made all provision for you to be a slave to righteousness, to right standing with God. Go to Mark chapter 5. We're going to read verse 21 through 43. Mark chapter 5. Again, as you read the Old Testament, sometimes you can be like, I don't understand all of that. But you, again, you have to understand the fullness of, of Scripture. What is it pointing towards? Who is it pointing towards? <laughs> Jesus. There's no way that all these laws that were laid out could have been, remained in place even up until our day. Remember why the law was given. The law was given to show mankind their need for, for a Savior. 
And Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. If you were never told that doing this was wrong, you wouldn't know it was wrong. (laughs) So God was laying out understanding. Again, this picture of remaining in him. And that's why I love it when Jesus, when he shows up on the scene and he's ministering, he tells them to remain in me, to abide in me, that apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. But if you abide in me and you remain in me, you can do all things through Christ, you all, who strengthens you. It's the hope that we find. And so now we pick up in chapter 5 here, verse 21 through 43. (coughs) Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. This is a religious man who is now at the feet of Jesus, fervently pleading with Jesus, Come, come heal my daughter. You see, Jesus' name is is being spread throughout this area. Everyone's hearing about Jesus. Remember, we we read last week where when the townspeople told Jesus to leave, they don't want him there. You're interrupting our lives. And I shared with y'all last week, we, we find ourselves at times there. Like, no, Jesus, don't don't press in on this area of my life. You're going to ruin things for me. And that's the wrong attitude to have. (laughs) We ought to be like this religious leader coming to Jesus at his feet, pleading with Jesus daily. Depending upon him, truly seeing who he is and what he's able to accomplish. Jesus, and I love this next line, Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd has suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she hadn't had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Now, don't miss out on this. Jesus at once begins to follow the religious leader to his house. The crowd of people are now pressing up against Jesus. There's a lot of people there. And different commentaries, and I think I've shared with you before when I preached on this, 
I mean, this woman literally had to be crawling on the ground to get to Jesus. She was probably being trampled over. She was making her way. And I love the fact, too, is that she was going against the custom. First of all, she's a woman. And the custom of that day and age, women were not thought of how they're thought of now. Women were looked down lower. And on top of that, she was a woman with a blood issue, which makes her unclean. She shouldn't even have been around that crowd. But I love the fact that this woman knew one thing. Jesus. (laughs) If I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. She has exhausted her means and her resources looking to everything and everyone else. But when she heard of Jesus, she says, I will go against everything and I will press into him because I know if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And not just the fullness of his robe, but just the hem of his garment. I don't need the fullness. I just need a little. (laughs) That's how great her faith was, you all. She was willing to go against everything that told her not to come to Jesus. And isn't that sometimes how the enemy works? He shows us how unclean we are. He shows us that it would, it's, it's, it's a waste of your time. He's not going to do anything for you. <laughs> he lies to you. And thank God that this woman did not listen to what everything was probably screaming at her. She pressed in. And I want to encourage y'all, some of us here, we need to press in. We need to have that determination, just like this woman, to get all that Jesus has for us. And not just settle and give up. She could have gave up. She could have saw the the struggle was too hard. She could have saw that there was too many people around her. She could have saw that everything and anything could have exposed her. But she pressed in you all. And by doing so, look what happens. She was healed immediately. And then in verse 30, Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone from him, gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? And I love this. Jesus knew who touched him. But there's something about calling us out. Calling us out. His disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? There were so many people. Everyone is touching you, Jesus. But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. And I love the fact, too, do you remember where Jesus was going? There was a dying little girl. But he stopped. And now he's addressing this issue. Then the frightened woman, look at this, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. 
And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I love this. Your suffering is over. Did you hear that, you all? This is Jesus. This is what he says to us. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Go in peace. Peace, you all. That's what he gives us. No matter what we're facing. No matter what may come up against us this week. Remember, your choices, your, what you're going to choose to do when you get up from your chair today. <laughs> you can choose either life or death. Peace or chaos. That's up to you. As you think, so you go. So if you're not thinking of peace, you're not going to make the right choices. You're going to keep living in chaos. You're going to keep multiplying chaos, not only in your life, but in the life of those around you. But start thinking of peace. Start realizing what Jesus has done in your life. Don't make him out to be a lunatic. Make him out to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Because people are watching. People are watching. And Jesus calls this lady out. I want to know who touched me. Oh, he knew. But again, there's something beautiful about coming forward. And you see her position when she came forward? Humbled. Humbled. She recognized him for who he is. And we can learn something about Jairus and this lady. They humbled themselves. And that's a position that we're to remain in. Humbled. We're to remain low. We're, we're to recognize our position and truly who he is. Because he is a holy God. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jarius, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no, there's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jarius, don't be afraid. Just have faith. He just got the news. Your daughter is dead. He could have gave up. Like everything right there in that moment looked hopeless. And Jesus reminded him, do you remember how you came to me? Like you came to me in faith. So just because you received this notification, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd. And wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. I love that. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. And he went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. And the crowd laughed at him. But he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. 
back in those days, you had to have you had to hire professional mourners when people died, and they would carry on and do a big show, crying and weeping and all all everything. <coughs> and Jesus approached them. Why is all this going on? The girl was dead, but Jesus was about to awaken her. All intents purpose, these mourners were there. The young girl was dead, but Jesus was about to awaken her, bring her back to life. The crowd laughed. He brought the father and mother in, and the three disciples. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha Kamun, which means, little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. Give her nourishment. And I love this picture, you all. I mean... The parents didn't have to go out and tell anything. There were enough people there that day that knew that girl was dead. (laughs) That the story went out. But this young girl, dead. And the giver of life came and woke her up. And the same thing for us. We once were dead. In our sins and our trespasses against God. But God calls us to wake up, to get up. And I love this picture of nourishment, that you need to be discipled. You need to feast off of his word. You need to be disciplined in in your walk with Christ. It's not like your life used to be, where you lived however you wanted. You did whatever you wanted to, to do. No, your life in Christ now is a life that that is to be nourished by the bread of life. You're drinking from the fountain that you will thirst no more. Like you're getting everything you need to live truly the life that he has called you to. Like you're no longer dead. You, You have now been made alive in Christ. This wholeness, this picture of of, of eternal life. Yes, this physical body will die, but the very essence of who you are is not going to die. The very essence of who you are is going to spend eternity somewhere. (coughs) Either with God, in his kingdom, embraced by the fullness of his love... Or separated from him in an eternal place of damnation, of torment, for eternity. And that's why I always keep asking y'all, why would you settle for his wrath when he is giving you his love? When he has made himself known to you? And that's why you have to realize, wait a minute, if I keep doing and living how I want to live, and do what I want to do, and live for me, myself, and I, and keep being ruled by a self 
self, self mentality. It's all me. <laughs> Nothing good's going to come from it. Like you've been awakened. You were once dead, but now you're alive. You once were blind, but now you see. You once were deaf, but now you hear. And we're talking in the spiritual sense. And so now that's how you have to start living, like a spiritual being. You're a new creation. All things have been made new. You have been set free from the power of sin and death to now live the fullness and life in Christ. Here and now. You're not waiting to there. To there. No, you're to live it now. You're to be nourished. You're to be discipled. You, you, you have to have disciplines in your life. I was watching this show the other night. And it really hit me. This woman, she's struggling with her past. She had a horrible past. And she did a lot of horrible things. And she influenced others to do horrible things. Well, she's a new person now, if you would. (laughs) And she's finding her dilemma, her wrestling with what the old woman did to who the new woman is now. And she keeps talking about them being two separate people. And so as she's sitting there and this therapist is working with her, he tells her basically... Why do you still keep seeing two different people? Because you're one. And as I was listening to that, I said, that is so true. I am still Rob. I did horrible things. I lived a crazy life. You know, I hurt myself. I hurt others. I made bad choices. I, I just, blech. But in Christ, I'm a new man. There's something different. There's, there's a wholeness. There's a peace. I'm not living how I used to live. But if I, can, if I keep seeing myself split, then that's not going to be good. So if I see myself as one person in Christ that the old man is dead I can consider him dead but the new man is alive now and I love the uh, the little outcome of her little time with this therapist he tells her the story which I've heard before he says that there's this young boy basically trying to throw all these starfish that that washed up on the shore back into the ocean to save them. And this old man comes up to him and tells him, oh, there's just too many to save. And he says, well, if I can just get one in. And so the whole point of that was just do good with your life now. And I thought, that, that's so true for us. Maybe that doesn't make sense to you, but it hit me so hard the night as I was thinking just about life. Like, yes, we're not going to be able to save everyone. (laughs) But if it just reaches one, if you would just do your part each and every single day to live right, 
to do right, to do with life, with life that you've been given, <laughs> to do right. Like you've been given, if you're a Christian, you've been given a new life to do right. You don't have to keep going aimlessly, wandering around like you don't know anything. Like you've placed your hope in Christ. The Bible says you now have the mind of Christ. Yes, that old man, that old woman is still there. (laughs) But consider him or her dead. You are a new creation. Go do good now. That's basically what the therapist told her to do. Go do good now and you won't be haunted by your past. Go do what is right now. And you won't keep giving in to the flesh, you all. You need to realize in and of yourself, you won't choose to do right. That's why this life in Christ must be dependent upon him. And so if you're not doing daily disciplines in your life to draw closer to him, to keep abiding in him, then just remember that's all you have to go back to. But that's your choice to go back and to live like you don't have order in your life. God is a God of order. He's a God of of peace. And we can find hope even in the midst of of crazy circumstances. You know, that we can find ourselves with with this, this, this understanding of what life is truly all about, you all. You're here today and you're gone tomorrow. I mean... And so what are we doing with today? You know, as I received yet another call from a doctor on Friday, and I had to get rushed to his office to, to get these vaccines and all these weird things that are going on. Like, it, it's dredged up a lot of stuff in me, and, and I've had time to kind of just walk through and think through, you know, just of, just of what God is doing in the midst of this. But as I've been thinking and allowing different things to dredge up, I'm remembering that young boy of who I used to be. The young boy that grew up to be a young man into a man that was so broken, so wounded. And I thank God I'm not there anymore. But I remember the different things that took place to him I remember the different decisions that he made and, and, the, and the things that he chose to do. And if I could go back and tell him, you know, trust in God, trust in Jesus, instead of running from Jesus, instead of blaming God, instead of doing everything and anything but turning to the one who is the author of life, you know, because it's only in Christ that in the midst of chaos that you will find peace, you all. So I want to encourage you. I don't know where you've been. I know it's good to come in and you can put on a show and you can say this and you can say that or this and that, but you know what you're doing. (laughs) Others probably know what you're doing too. (laughs) But you know what you're doing and what you're thinking. You know where your mind is at and you know where your heart is at. And I would just ask you, are you truly lined up with the Prince of Peace? Are you yoked to him? 
Or are you still living out of brokenness? A life that's not disciplined, a life that is chaos. And I would ask you, why are you still there? Why are you choosing that? When love is calling you, when love is beckoning you to come and to do what is right. If there's anything you take away from today, take that away. Like love, Jesus himself, love is beckoning you to come and do what is right. <coughs> do what is right, you all. And you say, but I don't know what to do what is right. Then learn. I mean, I've told you when I first came to Christ, I had no clue on how to live, on what to think, or what to say. And my prayer was, who am I now? I knew who I was, did not agree. He didn't agree with. That's not how he created me. That's what I chose. We're all created in sin. But how we choose to go about in that rebellious nature is our choosing. But he calls all of us to himself. But are we responding? Are we heeding the call to come do what is right? Come and be loved, you all. Like you realize if you're stiff-arming God, you're stiff-arming love. <laughs> and all you're going to keep doing is that which is wrong. And nothing good is going to come from it. And this world, as I've been sharing with you all, is getting darker and darker and darker. And it's only going to keep getting worse. It's only going to get worse. And you say, again, where's the hope? The hope is Jesus. And that the church is still on this earth. So we don't have to wake up discouraged. You can encourage yourself in Christ. No matter what you're facing today. That if we would be like these examples here, the two that we just read from. That we would see our need for Jesus. And that we would go to him. And we would face every obstacle that stands in our way to get to him. But that we would press in. God, I'm not giving up till I have the fullness of what you have for me. Like I would live the rest of my days focusing my gaze upon you. Trusting in you and in you alone. I don't want to be that broken young boy. I don't want to be that tormented man. God, I want to be whole. And that's what you offer. Are you experiencing that, you all? And if not, then I would implore you, like, come to Jesus. Just as you are. You don't have to clean yourself up. Like, he's longing for you just to stop what you're doing and turn to him. Stop going in the wrong direction and turn to him and just say, God, I'm sorry. My God, I need you. And let him bring about. God, your life is going, will change you all. It's not going to be perfect. I'm not telling you you're going to have a mansion and a Roy's Royce and butlers and maids taking care of you. <laughs> what I'm telling you is that Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he would be 
your God. And that the plans that he has purposed for you from the beginning. Because remember what the word of God says. He's prepared good works for us to do. For him. That's why I'm so encouraged by Norma. I mean, she is overseas. I mean, when I remember who she was when I first met her. And to see where she's at today, I said, God, only you can do that. Only you can take a, a heart and a mind that was so darkened that wanted death and destruction for people and put a beautiful smile upon her face and a desire to see people set free. Only God can do that. It didn't happen overnight, though, you all. But she pressed in. And there were seasons where she gave up and she gave in. And we had to set her apart. We had to turn her over to what she wanted herself to go to. But God never gave up on her. God will bring about what he is purposing for your life, you all, if you would just surrender your life. Just surrender. Recognize that that old man, that old woman is dead. But you're alive in Christ now. So how am I to live? How am I to think? How am I to speak? How am I to touch? Where am I supposed to be going, God? Because I just want to do good. Go to Psalm chapter 38. Psalm 38, I should say. psalm that King David wrote. He's asking God to remember him. O Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your rage. Your arrows have struck deep and your blows are crushing me. Because of your anger, my whole body is sick. My health is broken because of my sins. My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins. I am bent over and raked with pain. All day long I walk around filled with grief. A raging fever burns within me and my health is broken. I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from my anguished Heart. You know what I long for, Lord. You hear my every sigh. My heart beats wildly. My strength fails and I am going blind. My loved ones and friends stay away, fearing my disease. Even my own family stands at a distance. Meanwhile, my enemies lay traps to kill me. Those who wish me harm make plans to ruin me. All day long they plan for treachery. Did y'all hear these deep words? Such sorrow, such grief. Think about that. He's in a very dark place. This is the king, King David. This is the, the, the man who has a heart for the things of God. He was a righteous man. But he has sinned. 
He has done things that were not right in the sight of the Lord. And everyone, you talk about loneliness, you talk about being depressed, you talk about feeling like life all around you is just falling apart, that even in his physical condition and his mental and emotional condition, his enemies are still plotting to kill him. There's no compassion towards him. Everything kind of looks bleak. But remember what every psalmist does, they look up. He says here in verse 13, But I am deaf to all their threats. I am silent before them as one who cannot speak. I choose to hear nothing, and I make no reply. Look at this. For I am waiting for you, O Lord. You must answer for me, O Lord, my God. I pray, don't let my enemies gloat over me or rejoice at my downfall. I am on the verge of collapse, facing facing constant pain. But I confess my sins. I am deeply sorry for what I have done. I have many aggressive enemies They hate me without reason. They repay evil for good and oppose me for pursuing good. Do not abandon me, O Lord. Do not stand at a distance, my God. I love this. Come quickly to help me, O Lord, my Savior. See, God is bigger than your sickness. God is bigger than your depression. God is bigger than your sin. (laughs) Mm. Amen. God, you all, is great. And God is good. Even in the midst of suffering, we can call upon him. We can call upon him. David recognizes the root of his issue, the sin in his life. That doesn't mean all sickness is is because there's sin in one's life. But in this instant, David knew and he wasn't, he wasn't mincing words. He wasn't pretending anything different. No, he knew. He knew what he was facing. But look at whom he put his hope in. Is your hope in Jesus today? It ought to be. It ought to be. Because people are living hopeless lives out there. The enemy is working overtime to enslave people. It's crazy the things that are going on and what people have to endure. But God is greater, you all. That's why you must choose to do what is right. Don't get led astray. Don't go your way. Like, seek Him. The Bible's very clear. There's only two types of people on this earth. Good and bad. The righteous and the wicked. Oh, there's no in-between. And we see it all through Scripture. May you be counted among the righteous. Mm -hmm. May you not be counted among the wicked any longer. Because that is not where you should be. Go to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 8 and 9. The wise are glad to be instructed, 
but babbling fools fall flat on their faces. People with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. Remember what I just said. You're either counted among the righteous or you're counted among the wicked. You're either counted among the wise or you're counted among the fools. You're either counted among those of peace or you're counted among those of chaos. So you're one of the ones today. Either you're the wise who are glad to be instructed or you're a babbling fool who's going to fall flat on their face. You're either a person who walks with integrity, who walks safely, or you're going to be those who follow the crooked paths and soon will be exposed for your foolishness. See, that's what is set before you each and every single day. Life or death. Life or death. And I want to encourage you all, choose life. Choose life. You know, as I'm going through all this weird health stuff and have to see the oncologist this Friday and all these different doctors, I said, God, I thank you that I'm already a dead man. That this physical life is going to end at some point. But still walking through it is not a piece of cake. But I say, God, even in the midst of it, I just want to honor you in it. I don't know what tomorrow is going to hold, nor do you. (laughs) But what we do know is the one who holds our tomorrow. And he's the one. Love himself is calling you to himself so that you would come and start doing what is right, what is good. It's your choice. Like again, you're going to be faced as soon as you get up from this place with a whole bunch of challenges. Sin is crouching at your door and its desire is to master you. The Bible says you must master I implore you, go do what is right, you all. I don't care where you've been this week. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you did this morning. (laughs) If it wasn't that which honors God, then I would ask you as we come to a close that you would allow the Spirit of God to bring conviction and that you would repent and that you would ask for forgiveness as we just saw this beautiful picture as as we read the words of David. Be restored, you all. Be made whole and complete in Christ. And you only can do that through Christ and through repentance. If you've never accepted Christ, then I would ask you as the last song is being played and as I come to or close our time in prayer, that you would ask yourself, why, what's keeping you from him? What is more valuable in this world (laughs) that you are pursuing? Because I can tell you this, whatever it is or whoever it is, is not worth it (laughs) because it's temporal. 
And it will be here today and gone tomorrow. But Jesus, his promise is that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So let this last song play over us and then I'll close this in prayer.